بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمد ونسلی علی رسول الکریم اما بعد الحمد للہ جنائٹ از دا نائنتھ آف جنوری ان دا ایئر الحمد للہ ویو کمپلیٹڈ دا تھرڈ ویک دا ٹوینٹی فرسٹ نائٹ دیٹ وی گوئنگ تھرو دا ایگزالٹیڈ اینڈ بلیسڈ لائف of the illustrious companion Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu and I've spent a few sessions in which we've been taking a glimpse into his intense love for our beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa and by way of summary I mentioned that because the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa loved God I pumpkin he himself then said I also love God and he would add it to his food so whatever was being cooked, he would ask them to put God within it. And then I mentioned examples of other companions. For example, Abu Ayyub radiyallahu, he stopped eating garlic. He said, I also dislike what you dislike. And then I mentioned the example of the great Abdullah ibn Umar, who was obsessed with everything which the Prophet did, sallallahu alayhi wa He was seen, for instance, once going into a ditch, and when he emerged, he goes, I had no intention or no desire to have a call of nature. But the Prophet once went into this ditch and I do not like to do anything different from the Prophet On another occasion, he squeezed himself as he was walking. And when he was questioned, he goes, I saw the Prophet squeeze himself at this point. Another example, he moved the camel onto various steps. And he goes, I saw the Prophet move his camel on these various steps. So all of these narrations and many others of a like nature expose the error of those who ignorantly say there are certain sunnah which there is no point in following the holy prophet had certain dislikes as a mortal and as an Arab hence there is no reward in following any of these actions of his so this is a clear error Subhanallah, do these ignoramuses dare accuse all of the blessed companions of performing futile acts? Because according to that understanding, all that I've mentioned is futile. The Prophet never said, you should also love pumpkin. He never said, stop eating garlic. And he never told Abdullah ibn Umar, just emulate me like a shadow. So... If you believe that, then you've left the example of the companions. So this shows that this is an error. Does not our loving Lord say, subhanahu wa ta'ala, in Surah Ali Imran, Surah 3 verse 31. If you truly love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then follow me, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will love you and will also forgive you your sins. For Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is of forgiving the most merciful. So in this very famous verse of the Quran, Allah ta'ala says very simply that you cannot love me unless you follow my Prophet. <laughs> Why? Because people actually said in the time of the Prophet, we love Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And Hassan al-Basri explained that Allah ta'ala revealed this verse. 
Meaning, if you love Allah the Almighty and glorious, you will follow the Prophet. فَاتَّبِعُونِ Then Allah Ta'ala will love you, meaning as a condition. And He will forgive you, for He is the of forgiving, the most merciful. And like I mentioned a few moons back, Sayyidina Anas himself relates, that the Prophet said, Ya Bunayya, O my beloved son, that is indeed from my sunnah. And whoever revives my sunnah has truly loved me. And whoever loves me shall be with me in paradise. <laughs> this is in Tirmidhi number 2678, Mishkat number 175, Hayat Sahaba volume 1, page 64 of the New English Translation. However, Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah states Da'if in Da'if al-Jami number 6389. So I mentioned this many moons ago and it clearly mentions that those who revive the sunnah this is a sign of love and you will be with the Prophet in paradise. And clarifying further, our beloved messenger said, By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never throw one whom he loves into the fire. Subhanallah. By Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will never throw one whom he loves into the fire. This is in Imam Ahmad's Musnad Hakim and Shaykh al-Bani rahmatullah states Sahih in Sahih al-Jami 6-104. So note here the Prophet's word and off. He goes, by Allah, meaning he stressed it, Allah Ta'ala will never throw the one he loves into the fire. So how is that linked? If you revive the sunnah, you imbibe the sunnah, the Prophet goes, you love me and you'll be with me in paradise. So this is a protection from the fire. So the sunnah protects you from the fire of hell, the more you imbibe. Thus the noble companions, radiyallahu ta'ala, as shown, would observe and scrutinize very closely every saying and action of our beloved messenger, sallallahu in various situations, and would then practice what he or she observed closely with utter devotion. A most important lesson for one and all. And you can actually see it, you know, if you look between the lines of certain reports. For instance, in Sahih Muslim, Umar radiallahu who once saw the Prophet sallallahu perform a second obligatory prayer without wudu. And what did he say to him? He goes, Ya Rasulullah, you've done something today that you've never done before. So even before moving on, how closely was Umar observing the Prophet? Imagine... Which student would say to a sheikh, Sheikh, you do something today I've never seen before. What's that? You did two salats with one wudu. Why were they all? Because the Quran is telling you. And then the Prophet said, I was commanded to do so. Meaning, to make ease for my ummah. Because he wanted himself to do wudu again and again for every salat. But he wanted ease. Indeed, Anas would not allow even the love of his near and dear ones to interfere with his unparalleled love for our beloved messenger. So for instance, in Sayyid Bukhari 3-246, Nasai 6-78, Ibn Imajin number 200. As an honest, he relates, a woman once came to the Prophet and offered herself in marriage to him. Upon arrival, she said, Ya Rasulullah, do you have any need of me? The daughter of Anas, she said, what little shame she had. What a bad thing to say or do. Anas thereupon said in anger, rather she was far better than you. 
Why? For she wanted to marry Rasulullah and she offered herself in marriage to him. So let's look at this. So if a woman walks up to a man and offers herself to a man, obviously there's no sharm. You think this is a woman without any sharm? So the daughter of Anas, she was thinking on those lines. So obviously don't find fault with her. She goes, what little shame she, she had. But Anas, think about this. Who did he favor, the daughter or the prophet? He goes, she was far better than you because she wanted to marry the prophet. In other words, you want a bad thing you said about this woman. So what was he highlighting? He was highlighting he loved the prophet more than anybody. So the law And he wasn't even allow his the love of his near and dear ones to interfere with this indeed such was the majestic companion's reverence for our beloved messenger that Anna said on another occasion verily the doors of the prophet would be knocked upon with nails eye of their hands verily the doors of the prophet would be knocked upon with nails eye of their hands Shaykh al-Bani states Sahih in his checking of Bukhari's Al-Adab al-Mufrad number 1080. So when you knock, you use your knuckles. Or you use those knuckles. If you use your nails, what are you doing? You think, how is he going to hear that? That's how the Sahaba would get the attention of the Prophet. So why were they doing that? I don't know how, 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 what's the loudest you could do with the nail? I tell you straight, who's going to hear that? An ant. But that's their veneration for the Prophet. In Surah Hujarat, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Those who call upon you from outside, they have no sense. Because some Bedouins came, this tribe came to embrace Islam, and they actually called out from outside, Ya Muhammad. <laughs> And then Allah Ta'ala revealed this verse because they haven't got any sense. In other words, look at the contrast. The Sahaba were knocking with their nails and they were calling out, Oh Muhammad, come out. So upon this hadith, Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani, he commented in Fat al-Bari 11-38. This is understood from them to be an exaggeration of good manners. And it is good to do this if it is known that the person inside is near the door, I, which was certainly the case for the Holy Prophet However, if it is known or if it is likely that he is far from the door, in which case the sound of knocking with one's nails would not reach him, then it is recommended to knock more loudly according to what is loud enough for the person to hear inside. So Hafiz ibn Hajar Asqalani, he explained, because the chambers of the Prophet were very small. When you actually say chamber, you actually think, you know, it's quite extensive. It's very small. Maybe about eight foot by eight foot. You know, maybe the chamber was even smaller than this. So obviously, when you'd use your nails, you know, surely they will hear it. Well, Ibn Hajar Asqalani said that you can do that to show respect to a learned person. But if you know he's not going to hear it, then you can go appropriately louder. But what he was highlighting was some people, I don't know what they're doing, they bang the door. Then you actually think, is this a raid? When you open doors, one of the elders, why was he banging the doors if he's going to bust it? And that's the other end of the spectrum. Why? Because people panic, what's happening here? As of the police come. 
Chanda, chanda. Why are you breaking the door for chanda? Those, when one knocks on the doors of one's brothers and sisters, one should keep this etiquette in mind and not knock as if armed police unit has come to arrest them. So who's narrating all this? Anas. Why? Because he was a servant of the Prophet In Sayyid Bukhari, Anas who said, we once chased a rabbit at Mar al-Zahran and the people ran after it, but they were exhausted. I, however, overpowered and caught it and gave it to my stepfather Abu Talha who slaughtered it and sent its hip or two thighs to Rasulullah and he accepted this. The subnarrator asked Anas, Did the Holy Prophet eat from it? He replied, He indeed ate from it. So this is in Sayyid Bukhari. So first of all, is it easy to catch a rabbit? You've got to be fit and you've got to be, you know, agile. So the report says a lot of the Sahaba tried to catch it. They get exhausted. Who caught it? Anas. So what does that tell you about his fitness? How supremely fit Anas must have been at the time. For it is no easy feat to catch a wild rabbit single-handed. Why did he catch the rabbit? Because he wanted to give something to the Prophet But look how honorable he was. He caught the rabbit. He gave it to his stepfather. He slaughtered it. Because there's a zaba for the rabbit. And he sent the hip or the two thighs. Anas couldn't remember. He's either the hip or the two thighs to the Prophet And he accepted it. Now look how intelligent the subnidators are. Because they, the hadith doesn't say he ate it. He accepted it. So the subnidator asked, وَأَقَلَ min." Did he eat from it? And look at the, you know, eloquence. He ate from it. He repeated the same statement. So he goes, did he eat from it? He goes, he ate from it. So it's sunnah to eat rabbit. Right? Think about that. Sunnah to eat rabbit. Some people keep him as pets. Fine. And if they get a bit ill, slaughter them in it, mashallah. But people know I've got attachment to it. Attachment to it. You know, it makes it even better for you to sacrifice. You get more reward. In fact, some of the Salaf would keep an animal like a goat. They would get attached to it. And then they would slaughter. Why? Because it's more of a sacrifice. If you just get something, you know, the first day you see the next minute, I'm following Sunnah. MashaAllah. But and is it, you know, more... Because no, you don't slaughter your pets. You're barbaric. Because no, we're not. This is Sunnah. Sheikh Abdul Jalil Sahib in his Niqad al-Durari, volume 3, page 665 of the English translation. What is this? <coughs> this is a commentary of Tajreed al-Bukhari by Hafiz Zubaydi al-Yamani, who died 1488, Christian era. He elucidated. It appears that Rasulullah accepted the meat of the rabbit, and according to some narrations, he ate from it. From this we learn that the meat of rabbit is halal, and partaking of it is masnoon. So if somebody offers you rabbit, it is recommended you eat his sunnah. So now, what's interesting, there's all these varieties of rabbits, hares, rabbits, I don't know all these, which one exactly did the Prophet eat, we don't know. But your intent is to follow the sunnah. So not again, fine. And like I mentioned, Anas was so fit, he caught a rabbit. But don't forget, how old was he at the time? He was in his late teens. So this shows that he was very, very fit as well, Rabbi Allah. And wrote his love for the Prophet. He didn't catch the rabbi for himself. You know, you'd think after catching it, 
Surely I deserve a piece as well. Straight away, he gave it to the Prophet ﷺ. In another report, in a Hakim in his Mustadrak number 4201 or 2-663, Sahih, Zahabi, Sahih, al in the chapter on the description of his hair, ﷺ. Abdullah ibn Muhammad ibn Aqil, rahmatullahi, he relates, Sayyidina Anas ibn Malik, radiyallahu, he came to Al-Madinah when Umar bin Abdul Aziz was its governor. Just open the report. So this is when Anas was an old man. Umar bin Abdul Aziz wasn't the Khalif. He was the governor of Al-Madinah. Umar bin Abdul Aziz thereupon sent a messenger to Anas and instructed him. Ask the noble companion if Rasulullah dyed his hair. For indeed, I have seen a hair from his hairs that was dyed. So again, note, he was a senior Tabeel, Umar bin Abdul Aziz, Rahmatullah He goes, I want clarification. I've got a hair of the Prophet, Alhamdulillah. But it's dyed. And I want to know, did the Prophet dye his hair? Ask Anas. So when the messenger came to Anas, Hazrat Anas clarified, Radiyallahu Indeed, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa was bestowed with black hair. And if I was to count the grey hair on his head, I would then not have found more than 11 such hairs. Indeed, only this hair has been coloured with perfume that was used to perfume the hair of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa that changed its colour. So this is a very interesting report because Anas was saying he didn't dye his hair. That's what he's, he said in a very eloquent way because he had 11 grey hairs and that also shows how he was observing the Prophet. And be honest, you know, how many times do you, if I was to ask you, you know, has your dad got grey hairs? Yeah, how many? What sort of a question is that? I don't count. Well, there you go. That's how much the Sahaba loved the Prophet. He was 11. And then he said he would put Atr on it. And the atr would change the color. <laughs> so according to Anas, he did not dye his hair. <laughs> Confirming further, Muhammad ibn Sirin, rahmatullahi he said, I once asked Anas, did Rasulullah dye his hair? He replied, no. He did not see except a little gray hair. I so what was the need to dye? <laughs> This is in Sahih Bukhari, number 5,894. Sahih Muslim, number 2,341. So, Anas' view was this. He had no grey uh, he had no, He did not dye his hair. So, now where were these grey hairs? Think about it. That's very interesting. He mentioned 11. Clarifying exactly where these few blessed grey hairs were. Anas explained that the Allah... In Sahih Muslim, number 3541, Indeed, Rasulullah did not dye his hair. He only had a few grey hairs under his lower lip, a little on his temples and a little on his head. <laughs> so look how beautiful that image is. He had a few there, few on his temples, and there was a few on his blessed head. And look how distinguished that looks when you think about it. You know, you couldn't put it in a more eloquent, beautiful place. Sides, there, and on the head. Because this is where the grey hair of the Prophet was. So now, what do the scholars mention here? So Hafiz ibn Kathir, he said, Rahmatullah, in Al-Bidayah, in the chapter on the description of the Holy Prophet's hair, he said, 
Sayyidina Anas radiyallahu's negation of dying opposes what has proceeded from others in affirmation of it. And the established rule is that affirmation takes precedence over negation. For the one who has extra knowledge that the one who negates does not possess. So stop in the quote. So Hafiz ibn Kathir said, some of the Sahaba said, he dyed his hair. So they affirmed. Anas is negating. So in fiqh, the one who affirms, he's got some knowledge that the others may not possess. He goes, this is what he said. Then he continued. Similarly, the affirmation of other than Anas, of what was mentioned of grey hairs, takes precedence, especially from Abdullah ibn Umar, who most probably received this knowledge from his sister, the mother of the believers, Hafsa. Indeed, her awareness was more complete than Anas's awareness, for she may have washed his blessed head. So Abdullah ibn Umar goes, he dyed his hair. And we just mentioned in the previous session, he was very particular about the sunnah and he would dye his hair. Where did he get the knowledge from? His sister. Who's his sister? The wife of the Prophet. So Ibn Kathir said, it seems to indicate this is where the knowledge is coming from. However, Shaykh al-Hadith Mawlana Muhammad Zakriya Kandihlawi Rahmatullah he commented in his commentary on the Shamayli Tirmidhi, page 48 of the English translation. So Ibn Kathir was a Shafi. This Shaykh is a Hanafi. And he said, Imam Tirmidhi and the majority, Rahimahumullah, are of the opinion that he did not use dye. The Hanafis also hold the same view. Rahimahumullah. It is stated in Durri Mukhtar, it is more correct that Rasulullah did not use dye on his hair. So what did he say? The great Imam Tirmidhi, who wrote the famous Shamail, and the majority of scholars mentioned he did not dye his hair. <coughs> then he said, Alamashami had reason that according to Imam Bukhari and other muhaddithin, Rasulullah did not have more than 17 grey hairs in his blessed beard and his head. The Shafi'i Shaykh Bayjuri, the commentator of Shamaili Tirmidhi, is however of the opinion that Rasulullah sometimes dyed his hair, but he did not do so regularly. So some of the ulama amongst the Shafi'is, they say there's no contradiction. He may have done it occasionally. Those according to the Hanafis, Rahimahumullah, dyeing the hair is mustahab, recommended. But using the black dye is makru, tahreem, greatly disliked. The Shafi'i state that the use of dye is sunnah, but the use of the black dye is haram. So this is the quote from Shaykh al-Hadith, Mawlana Muhammad Zakriya Kandahlawi, a very famous Hanafi Shaykh of the 20th, passed away in the 20th century. So the Hanafis, they state it is mustahab. Why do they say mustahab? Because it's not established from the Prophet. But it's still recommended to dye your hair. The Shafi said sunnah. The black dye, there's a difference of opinion. All frown upon it. Except if you're on jihad. There's a reason for it, obviously. Right? But not to beautify. That, the Hanafi state is makru tahrimi. The Shafi state is haram. And the reason is there's a hadith. 
where the Prophet mentioned that one of the signs of the hour is that the black dye will be used. Hadith in Abu Dawud say hadith meaning is forbidden to use that. But people are using it left, right, and center. So that's the fiqh. There is also a report in which Anas radiallahu said, Ra'aytu sha'ara Rasulullahi makhduba. I saw Rasulullah's hair dyed. This is in Dunmudi in his Shamayl number 48. So this is fascinating. Anas said he did not dye his hair. And yet you got a report directly from him. What did he say? I saw the hair of Rasulullah died. So is there a contradiction? Yes. So Mirak Shah al-Hanafi had elucidated in his commentary of the Shamayl. You should know that it is proven in many a hadith documented in the two Sahih collections and other works of a hadith that Sayyidina Anas held the view that Rasulullah did not dye his hair or that he did not possess, possess enough grey hair to warrant the use of dye on them. This hadith which he said, I saw the hair dyed, is the only report from him that states otherwise. Hence, this hadith is either classified as odd or it refers to when he saw him after his passing. This is because a report by Dada Qutni that Abu Huraira said, after the passing away of Rasulullah everyone who had some of the hairs of the Prophet dyed them in order to preserve them further. Hence, it is possible that Anas radiallahu saw the dyed hair in the possession of one of the companions. So this is the problem. If you haven't got fiqh, you're going down the Maya, man. You call one hadith. Look, the hadith says it. Does it? How foolish is that? You just bypassed the entirety of scholarship. But then every scholar under the sun know that hadith. So what are you trying to get at? Right? And they go, no, but he says it. He didn't die. And then he goes, so why did the Shafi say he died? And then slander start coming out. Oh, they didn't know the Hadith. Right? So the response is, the only one who doesn't know is you. And if you look at the commentary, you can see they knew the Hadith. And they tread it very carefully. But look at that one report. رَأَيْتُ شَعَرَ رَسُولَ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهُ مَخْدُوبًا I saw the hair of Rasulullah died. Anasadda. But the best explanation is the Sahaba would dye the hair of the Prophet after he left the world. I uh, to further give it, you know, uh, honor has given by the Almighty and Glorious Subhanahu wa Ta'ala. So note again, if the majority state that the Prophet did not dye his hair, whose authority have they taken that from? Anas. So what does that tell you about the scholars' veneration for Anas? Think about that. Not a minority. The majority say he did not dye his hair. And it boils down to who? Anas. And now you get fruitcake saying, well, he was young. Maybe he didn't know. And he was a young servant. Maybe as a child he misunderstood. I say again, brother, the majority of scholars. So what about the majority of scholars? Are they children as well? So look at how they venerate Anas. And look how you venerated Anas. But again, it boils down to who this person is. Is it Joe Bloggs again? Joe Bloggs said it, did it? MashaAllah. 
So note his love for the Prophet sallallahu This is what I'm mentioning these reports. He had so much love for the Prophet that he gave us so much details about him because he had close access to him sallallahu And I'll mention a little bit more about dying tomorrow. D-Y-E-I-N-G. Are there any questions you'd like to ask?